It's time for the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week, right here on BallQuest. Hey, good Thursday morning, everybody, and happy Thanksgiving from BallQuest to you. This is the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast with Austin Price, Brent Hubs, and Rob Lewis. I'm Eric Kane. As always, big thank you to Exterior Home Solutions for making this coverage possible. Exterior Home Solutions, East Tennessee's first choice in roofing. Use your trust in a local source for exterior home renovations. Give them a call today at 865-524-5888 or visit them online at exteriorhomesolutions.com. Got a full bank of questions to get into here today, so we'll go ahead and get started. We'll start with Davey Vall. Over under three and a half commits from high school or JUCO recruits between now and early signing day. So is Tennessee going to get, you know, three, at least three or, or more than four or less total before signing day? Oh, you know, I'm going to abstain. I just don't know. I mean, you, you could easily, uh, you know, see them getting more than, than, than you know, basically getting four. Um, but at the same time, I think a lot of it will depend on what happens in the next, uh, I'd say, 10 days or so. Uh, maybe not even 10 days. It, it, you know, well, let's just go 10 days. I think before December 4th, you know, what kind of run do they get on? Do they get any? Do they get one? Do they get two? Um, I think that'll determine kind of where this thing goes uh, as far as getting over three and a half. Well, and I think all of it too is numbers management, right? I mean, you, you got all these COVID guys. How does that change your JUCO recruiting? If a bunch of defensive linemen want to come back, where are those priorities at? That That's going to be an interesting uh, deal to watch. And, um, you know, it feels like Austin, it feels like there's kind of three. I mean, you got, you got Cam Michael, you got, um, Jordan Seaton, and you got the Williams kid, the defensive lineman. Those kind of feel like sort of where you are on the high school ranks right now. I mean, I, I guess Kai Bates is still out there, and um, the, the 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 kid, the Michael Smith kid, who, who hasn't visited I remember Roger. You remember Roger, Roger Saliaponga. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there's. I mean, I don't know. I mean, are you going to go four for five on the high school ranks to close? That's that's a that's a heck of a finish if you if you're able to pull that off. One hundred percent. And then you got to factor in you know the JUCOs. So I mean, like you know, I, we'll see. You know, does Amiris Williams commit to Ohio State before he gets to the Tennessee official visit in December? Um, sure. And then you got to think about also um, uh, uh, Sensabaugh, Jaron Sensabaugh. You know, yeah, that's really, you know. okay. So now, so now you're getting up there to six or seven names. All right. That's a different you – know, so not counting the JUCO kids. That's a different you got about a little over 50%. I mean, again, I, I think I think they're getting at least two, as many as five, probably not five. I would yeah, – I would. I think that's like, you know, low chance of getting that many. Um, but, I mean, I, I think they're getting at least two. You're looking at, again, can they add, you know, numbers three and four? You know, I think they can. Again, though, I think the next 10 days or so – when a few come off the board will kind of help determine that because by, by December 3rd, you're looking at Cam Michael going to commit uh, today, uh, this afternoon. You've got Kai Bates probably going to come off the board before December 3rd or 4th. And you've got Roger Celiapaga who's going to come off the board. Um, I think December 1st. So like, you know, depending on where those, what happens with those three will probably determine kind of that number. Vol I am says Sansi was our main scorer before we got Ganey and Connect. Sansi doesn't have to doesn't have elite foot speed and needed set plays for open shots. Now that 
set plays run for Ganey and Connect, do you think Santi will continue to struggle offensively, Rob? No. I, I'm sorry. Excuse me, Gazuta. No. I mean, and, and the reason why is t- there are two guys in, in Tennessee history who have made more three-pointers, Chris Lofton and, and Alan Houston. So I, I think Santi – I'm, I'm, I'm going to go way out on a limb and, think, and, and say Santi's going to figure it out and be just fine. I mean, didn't we have the same conversation last yep. year, Bob, yep. at this time about how he had lost it and, and everything, something was off and it was a major slump and huge problems. And all, yeah. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but weren't we kind of in the same narrative last November? Yeah, and he was he was hurt, ended up missing, you know, three or four games and, you know, with, with a shoulder and and came back and made all made first team all SEC. So, um, again, the history of the three-point line – Chris Lofton, Allen Houston, the only two guys who have made more than Santi wearing that uniform. So, and don't I, you think, don't don't you think he's ultimately going to get more open looks? His biggest yes. is going to be not shooting contested threes versus the open looks that he's not used to getting. Right? Yes, and and me and you, we talked about this in one of the fast breaks or one of the post game deals this week. I, I think that the addition of Connect is, I think Santi is having to make a bigger adjustment than anybody on the team. With, with Dalton out there. And I, you know, I, and I, and I think once he does make that adjustment, I think it's going to be great for him because as the, you know, the question is, I mean, Santi is not a guy who is great at creating his own looks other than, you know, the head fake and, you know, the shot fake to create some space, but he's, you know, he's not crossing people out of their shoes or, you know, blowing by guys. But um, I, I, no, I think people that are worried about Santi's slow start have, have not watched him play for the last four years. Trooper Vault says, give the percentage chance of Tennessee losing an assistant coach this offseason and then wanting to know if Martinez would be the most likely that would be lost. Again, we've said that Willie Martinez is the one that's not on a multi-year contract. That contract is up in February. We'll see what happens there. But Austin, as you mentioned, I mean, you, you know, Tim Banks head coach, probably not this offseason. I mean, does Jerry Mack or Brian John Marie get a better opportunity? If not, I mean, it looks like this coaching staff as a whole will probably stay pretty much intact. Yeah, I, I would still say there's probably one. There's been one the last two years. Yep. You know, Cody Burns went to the NFL. Alex Golish went to South Florida. Um, it's not been massive turnover, which I think has helped the football program because for so many years, Tennessee had a revolving door of assistant coaches. When think they about the Pruitt era. Revolving yeah. door of head coaches. So, um, you know, I, I think the continuity has been good, but I, I, I would, I would, you know, probably – I would say oh, there's going to be over 50% chance that there's a new assistant coach on this football team as we enter spring practice. AP, hey, you mentioned staff turnover. And I guess, guys, Eric was probably in junior high, but is there ever – I know we talk about it from time to time, but has there ever been a better one than, than Dooley's last staff? That's that's. I'd like to have an oral history. That's We need to do that, an oral history on how that, that last staff was assembled. <laughs> well, you're, you're talking about the, the, the fishing cabin – the John Palermo. John Palermo's Lake House in Crossville, where where Bryce and I went and and, and dug him up on whitepages.com and 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 all that stuff. I mean, it, it, yeah, that South that, Sinceri, that'd be a great. Where are they now? So, piece for for July, early late June, early July. <laughs> Charlie Coiner, what's Charlie Coiner doing these days? Well, I mean, he's he's getting rich off whatever technology he created, that, which the, he was the special he, teams app. But yeah, we got we got hired away. <laughs> but right. you, you have some of those, but then you also have one assistant's the head coach at Arkansas, another Justin assistant Wilcox. 
Wilcox is the head coach of Cal. And has been for what? Almost a decade, it seems and, like. And, and, the defense, and, and who was the DB's coach on that team? Derek Ansley's the defensive coordinator for the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. <laughs> talking I mean, about like, some, it's kind of feast or famine, right? Like, talking about some range. Be fine or not. And, and the head coach is an offensive analyst. <laughs> I, I think the head coach may have a chance to be the offensive coordinator for oh, an offensive line coach at Arkansas. Hubber, there he goes, dropping scoop. Maybe we'll see. Up and scoop. I, I don't expect him back to be to be back at Alabama. His 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 standing coaching rehab in Tuscaloosa is coming to a close. <laughs> it, you know he's been linked to Penn State too, but I mean, the, do you think they only have blue Gatorade up there and all the machines up there at, uh, at Penn State? However, you know, we, Tennessee's only allowed to have orange Gatorade. We're not we're not Georgia guys. I mean, like <laughs> we have red Gatorade. Does that matter? <laughs> <laughs> All right. 007 Vol says, uh, since it is Thanksgiving today, most favorite and least favorite Thanksgiving dish. Uh, Rob, start us off here. Uh, my favorite Thanksgiving dish is the turkey sandwich around midnight. Uh, would be, be that. And I, I, my least favorites, I could go on forever. But if you, I mean, if you like cranberry sauce, then we just we have to sit on the opposite side of the table. Carbon copy, that's mine too. Leftover turkey sandwiches cheese and chips and then of course anything cranberry i don't like it did you just say chips in front of hubs he loves chips chip hubs and people for people that don't know hubs is a chip connoisseur it's like when i talk when i talk french fries people go all right he knows what he's talking about (laughs) when you talk chips hubs is the goat I, I like me some potato chips. I um, bet Hubs makes those baked potato chips on the farm every every other week or so. I, I'm gonna take uh, I'm gonna take a really I'm gonna take a take nobody really is gonna appreciate. And probably I'll get all kinds of. I, I don't. I'm not the biggest Thanksgiving dinner meal guy on the planet. One, we we eat a lot of food like that throughout the year here on the farm. And two, I don't have any use for dressing or stuffing or any of that. It does nothing. Dressing and stuffing does nothing to me, nothing for me. I don't have any use for it. So it is not my favorite meal of the year, but we'll have turkey and we'll have dressing and we'll have ham and we'll have all the fixings here. It's just not my, uh, not, I, I don't, I don't prepare for it all week long. Cause it's going to be like the greatest feast ever. Cause that could be Thursday uh, on the farm. Yeah. I mean, we probably have, <laughs> we, we have turkey and dressing probably a dozen times a year out here so yeah not a big deal i'm pretty sure hubs has a permanent cornucopia um (laughs) much like the christmas tree my cornucopia is correct correct i mean you have a cornucopia out there you just kind of put different things in it like in the in the spring you put like you know like you know different kind of fruits and then in the summer you've got your tomatoes i mean you you just kind of rotate what all's in it there you go all right this is what i'm excited about uh, he, is this the one you texted me about last night? Yeah, heck yeah, man. Because because <laughs> if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, uh, the, the poster put this in the chat and said I have a great one, so I was already kind of curious, and then I saw it last night, and I'm like, heck yeah, let's roll. Here's what he says: I like you guys to have a UT fantasy uh, fantasy football quarterback draft. Here are the rules: two rounds, snake format. This is Josh Heupel's offense. Okay, draft order. Would go like this. Hubs goes one, Rob two, AP three, then I'm four, and then we snake it around. That means I'll go AP, Rob, and then Hubs. And here are the eligible quarterbacks. 
All right. Quarterbacks are Ainge, Bray, Crompton, Dobbs, JG, Hendon. We know who Austin's taking. Uh, Nico and Milton. So those are the rules. If you have any questions, let me know. But it's Heupel's offense, snake format, two rounds, and those are the quarterbacks. So with the first pick, Brent Hubs, who or uh, yeah, Hubs, who you taking? So I can't draft Heath Schuler. Is that what you're telling me? Schuler's not on here. He's not a list name. Uh, but based on what we have seen since Josh Heupel's been here, I think the safe bet is to take Hendon Hooker with the number one pick. So I'm gonna go Hendon Hooker. Yeah, I'll I'll take the other first team all all SEC quarterback on that list. Give me Josh Dobbs. Um, give me Nico. Okay. Um, then give me give me Tyler Bray. So we'll go to round number two. Guys off the board right now: Hendon Hooker, Josh Dobbs, Nico Iamaliava, and Tyler Bray snaking around starting round two. Quarterback quarterbacks available: Ainge. Crompton, JG, and Milton. For the Josh Heupel offense, I'm tempted. I know AP's going to take him. I'm, I'm honestly tempted. For the Josh Heupel offense, though, give me uh, – see, I feel like he can work with any type of quarterback. Give me Eric Ainge, I guess, even though he's more of a pro style. AP, you're up. Give me JG. I'm all, yep. I, you know, I, I'd love to see what he could do. Rob, I you agree. said without the TV taping on Tuesday. My, I agree. My, and even my, though Ainge didn't run this offense, I just. About, you know, a month and a half ago. And so crazy. Yeah. Um, and, and again, even though like we haven't seen some of these quarterbacks run this offense, I feel like the coaching could, you know, get good quarterback play out of good quarterbacks. That's why I put Ainge. So Ainge, JG, Rob, you are up. And the remaining quarterbacks available are Crompton. And Milton. he's going mountain values, baby. Easy pick. And I, I think you're sleeping on Ainge a little bit. I think I think young Eric Ainge would have been would have been something to see in this offense. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, I think Ainge would have been fine. I, I just like I, I knew that Hendon and, and uh, J or not JG Hendon and Dobbs would be like one two. That makes so much sense. Yeah, I thought Tyler Bray would go three, and then I was going to take Nico at four. Or Ainge at four. But here, here are the teams here. So Hubs has Hendon Hooker and Joe Milton. So Hubs has 2021 and 2022 Tennessee. Rob has Joshua Dobbs and Jonathan Crompton. AP has Nico Iamaliava and Jarrett Garantano. And then I have Tyler Bray and Eric Ainge. And this is the Josh Heupel offense. Who do you think won? because he's got the guy that's proven in the offense yeah I, but I think that I think the sneaky one is you because I, I think I think the upside to Nico's got a chance to be really good and, and I think that I think that that JG would have been really fascinating in this system before he got tore down right yes. right I, I would be I would be pretty fascinated to see him in this system before he was you know be, beat around and played for four offensive coordinators in four years or whatever. Which goes back to, you know, everybody goes, well, if you, if you don't play plays in four years, you're not any good. And I'm probably guilty of saying that at some point about a kid too. But when you go back and think about it, the decisions you make in recruiting and where you end up and where you end up buried, like let's go Kojo Antwi at Ohio State. He's a former borderline five-star from Georgia. 
who can't get on the field at Ohio State. Does that mean Kojo is not any good? Or does that mean that he's just behind Smith and Jigba and Marvin Harrison and so on and so forth and just can't get on the field? You know, remember Alvin at Alabama couldn't get on the field and then all of a sudden was, you know, when Juco and then came here and was fantastic. So, like, sometimes kids make the wrong decision and they're still good players. They just have a terrible path to the field. Well, and sometimes you just need a new start, right? Like, we, we talk about, Rob, we talk about, you know, so-and-so had four offensive coordinators and that's a detriment. Well, the best thing that happened to Jonathan Crompton is he got a new offensive coordinator his last year and it, and it, and it fixed him. Uh, or gave him a chance. I mean, he had a really good year. And then, and then you look at Hendon Hooker. I mean, uh, was was anybody, anybody in Blacksburg was going, "Oh my God, I can't believe he went in the portal." Like, was anybody in, was anybody in Knoxville like, "Oh my God, I can't believe we got Hendon Hooker." Let's exactly. ride. Well, his so commitment it, graphic too was him wearing number two, and that was just coming off JG. And you're like, but it, but you know, it, it's about it, it's about fit. So much of it is about fit, and um, you know. Timing, fit, your right AP, it's, you know, depth chart, all this stuff, all factors in, and it's hard to make this blanket. And everybody wants a blanket statement. He's either good or he's not, right? There's no middle gray as to why. It's just he can either play or he can't play, and that's the end of the discussion. I would tell you that if Jonathan Crompton was coming out of high school right now and he went to Wake Forest to play for head coach Dave Clawson, it would not be the same Jonathan Crompton that you saw in the Philip Fulmer kind of hands-on, not letting you know Dave Clawson do exactly what Dave Clawson wants to do, offense of 2008. That's my take. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think Dave Clawson's evolved his offense since then, too, because there's some stuff that he was trying to do at this level that probably, as he got away from it, went, maybe that's not the best way to do some offense. Flip sides, guys, flip sides. Yeah, all that stuff. Dave Clawson also had the quarter of the week at his uh... – I guess Wednesday morning press conference about Sam Hartman and, and Notre Dame. I thought that was hilarious. Um, all right. We'll do a couple more here before we uh, get a word from exterior home solutions. Uh, Rob Nashfall 94 says is this is the deepest basketball team. Tennessee has ever had. Would you consider a, what would you consider a disappointing season for this basketball team? I would say it's probably the deepest I've seen, but it's not, I mean, it's not crazy, but just cause I mean, because Cam Carr would have played a few minutes, you know, for some teams, over the, I mean, they're they're deep, but it's it's not just in, in, insane. I mean, it's you know they're deep enough. The fact that you know you don't have Freddie Dillion in Hawaii, and it's it's no big deal. But they're not very deep in the post. I mean, you lose if, if Tobe can't go against Purdue after you know, twisting the ankle, then I mean it was ugly down low. Anyway, if he, if you don't have his five fouls, it's really ugly. So I mean, they're, they're deep. They got some guys on the perimeter, but. That's it's definitely not deep all over, and I would say disappointing if, if they don't if they're not playing in the second weekend in the tournament. It's disappointing, but you know March is nuts. I mean, a- after that, you know any anything can happen. We, we've certainly seen it, but if, I would say if they're not playing in in the Sweet Sixteen, it's it's been a disappointment. Brent Hubbs, Vol sixty six wants to know which is worse: college football officiating or college basketball officiating. Well, I think it's the inconsistencies of both of them uh, that that's maddening. I mean, that that game against Purdue was just really tough to watch because, um, you know, it was it was beat everybody to death in the first half, and then in the second half, it's let's get a team in the bonus with 14 minutes to play, uh, and then down the stretch, you call a touch foul against Tobey Awanka, which 
I mean, I mean, given the way that game had been played, that was like that was like the school crossing guard helping him across the street. I mean, you know, there's there was no there was nothing rough about that one. I think the biggest thing that bothers me in, in all of officiating is just you don't know what a penalty or a foul is one half to the next. And in some cases in football, one possession to the next. You just don't know. And, and I, that's the maddening part is um, that and, and a lack of, of lack of transparency, you know, when there's been some clear misses. Look, you're going to miss, a, you know, basketball's fast. You're going to miss some. But um, they've been a bunch of misses in college football this year, and there's not been a unofficial, unofficial word from anybody explaining anything. And that's what drives everybody crazy about officiating. We got plenty more questions to get into here on this Thanksgiving Day Thursday of AllQuest.com. But first, a word from our friends over at Exterior Home Solutions. Hey, Sevierville and Morristown, I want to make sure that you're getting the highest quality when it comes to your exterior home renovations. Exterior Home Solutions is your local and number one choice for roofing, siding, windows, and a whole lot more. From free estimates to financing options and low monthly payments, Give Exterior Home Solutions a call at 865-524-5888. Use who I trust, Exterior Home Solutions. All right, we got some more questions to get into before we call quits here today. We'll start back with Vols by 50. Talking specifically about the secondary and the offensive line, who makes the decisions on player rotations and playing time during the games? Is it the head coach or the position coaches? I I think... Well, I was going to say, I think it, sometimes it's the offensive and defensive coordinator, depending on, you know, what they have, uh, what they're trying to do, and what they're trying to get called. Um, and then sometimes it is the position coaches. So I think most of the time it's position coaches, but like, let's say, you know, they're wanting a specific set and it fits Dylan Sampson's skill set best. Joey Halsey's going to say, hey, let's get Dylan in on this next series. You know, I want to try to work this, this, and this, you know, and so Dylan Sampson goes in. But normally the rotation for running backs is two for Jalen. Two for Jabari. Now, last week they changed it up. It was two Jalen, two Jabari. Then they went a single set with Dylan Sampson before they went back to Jalen, which is why it's so maddening that it went from 75-yard touchdown run, one carry on Series 2 and a three and out, and then you didn't see him again until Series 6. Yeah, I think some of the times, I think some of the times too, Rob, that, that it's predetermined by the position coach. You know, hey, we're going to play, I'm going to play four corners, and, and these are my four corners, and I'm going to automatically rotate somebody you know, third series of the game and or, or you know, they're, they're trying to do that at, at linebacker or whatever. So sometimes it's predetermined. And then obviously when you get in the game, if you get somebody banged up or a guy's really struggling, then there's a lot of collective heads that are involved in, in some of that decision-making at that point. Yeah, and I was going to say defensively a lot. I mean, a lot of times it's predetermined by just, you know, situations, third and eight, the, you know, this package goes in, it's third and three, this, this package goes in and everybody, you know, everybody knows – you know what you know, who's in there yeah and, and i think on the d line eric there's some snap count that there's somebody you know logging snap counts because as rodney garner's talked about multiple times once you empty the tank in a game it's you can't replenish it so they're very mindful up there about rotating based on snap count more so than down a distance or, or that type of thing from time to time it's like hey we don't need omari thomas playing 65 snaps we don't need him playing 40 in the first half so you, you got to be mindful of some of that stuff. And, and so some of that stuff is a predetermined snap count thing as well. 
Yeah, the only time that it would differ from that would be like a like a rabbit's package or something like a pass rushing set or or something like that when there's a specific you know personnel grouping that they want out there. But I mean, we've seen it for three years. Yeah, they play a lot of defensive linemen, and uh, you know guys are. He'll say that we'd like to get him ten to fifteen snaps, and he'll play fourteen snaps. It's pretty much guaranteed. Let's go to Hoover underscore Vol. As Hypo rounds out your number three, what is one thing you think he'd wish for a do over for? Maybe it can be a game. Maybe it can be a personnel decision. Maybe it can be a game time decision. You know, Rob, what's what's something you think Hypo would say? You know, I wish I could do that over. I guess in in three years so. I mean, far. I don't. The, the question is really broad. I mean, I would. The first thing I would think of is I'd like to do do the first half of Florida over. I mean, I don't know if that if that qualifies. If that's yeah. you know, what, what he's looking. That's if I'm Josh Hypo, I would like to I would like to have a do over for the first half of Florida because again, I just I think that loss looks worse every week. One hundred percent. I mean, let's face it. Right now, Tennessee's got four losses, but three of them are the rankings one, eight, and nine in the CFP. Nobody's going to sneeze at that. It's that Florida and two of them on the you know and on the road. Just gross. Oh. Uh, for for me, for me, it's the South Carolina game because it knocked you out of the playoffs a year ago. That's the game you got to do over. You, you you can't can't go in that game giving up seven hundred yards and sixty something points. So because of the, because of the magnitude of what it cost you. Now I, I agree with you on the Florida game this year, but the magnitude of that loss, what it meant to you that week uh, moving forward, um, you know, to me has to be the most disappointing and the, the one you would like to do over because you went from being a you know, a potential college football playoff team to being on the outside looking in. From a specific coaching decision, maybe the the, the fourth down decisions against Alabama this year. You got away um, with the first one. First one didn't cost him any points. Second yeah. one was second one was was tough. Was a bad. Yeah, call. that first one. T- Tennessee defense got that interception. Um, but yeah, the second one was tough. Gave up points. And I mean, I'm sure there's play calls, individual play calls, every game that he wishes he can go back and do. But I agree with you guys on, on, on what y'all said. Nashville 615 says, is Tennessee willing to do what it takes to go after a wide receiver one in the portal? Uh, this offense was an utter mess all season long. Looking back, were there signs of this in the fall or spring? So we can start with the portal wide receiver question first, AP, and then we'll go to the next one. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, again, I I think it depends on who goes in, You know what the relationships are. Do they feel like they have a legitimate shot at them? Um, I know Vol fans just like just just put spar on them, just pay for them. That's not always how it works, though. Like, I mean, you know, sometimes you know, you can you can put together a great NIL package for a kid, and you know, relationships at another school, or his, he feels like he fits in the offense or whatever, end up winning out. And so, like, it's it's not just as simple as just go out and buy them, you know. Um, you know, so I mean, I think it depends on who goes in. Would they absolutely look to look? To add a quality receiver, yeah. If one's available that they like, a thousand percent. Here's the thing, too, with receivers at that position. I know there's a second question here, but I think this is a pretty, pretty interesting deal. There have been some high-profile receivers in the portal the last couple of years, and I don't know that that position has produced the way you think some of those guys will. I'm sure there's been more out there than I thought, but like I thought Dominic Lovett would have a bigger impact at Georgia, right? Now, Adonai Mitchell's had a nice impact at Texas. Um, but, I mean, Tennessee had Javante Payton, eh, okay. Um, Brew McCoy was, you know, had a, had a nice impact here before he got hurt. But, you know, when you think 
you know, wide receiver one, you're thinking Belitnikoff award finalist, and you're thinking, you know, 1,000, 1,200-yard receivers. How many of those have been coming through the portal the last couple well, of years? I, now, let's go back a year ago, Albert, to your point. Tennessee fans were up in arms because Tennessee didn't really push hard for, for love it. And then rah, rah, uh, for Mississippi state, right? Like, I, mean, I can't believe we're not, you know, we're not going to make a push for those guys. What have they done at Georgia? I mean, Georgia's going to the Dylan Bale, who Eric was constantly trying to figure out who this kid was because he hadn't done a whole lot in his career. Right? Nobody, nobody, three-star, yeah. nobody. And, and then what was the other one? Lad McConkey, who, you know, who didn't play against Tennessee, but is constantly, the go-to guy for the Georgia quarterback, plus the tight ends. So, like, it's not ever as simple as, like, you just, oh, man, this guy was awesome. This place, he's going to be awesome. The place. It, sometimes you, you can change sceneries and go the other direction. Yeah. Kind of a sidebar, I feel like we all discredit what Javante Payton did in 2021. Dude had six touchdowns, 18 receptions on the year, I hear you. Six touchdowns. I mean, he had a role. He did it well. Yep, he was um, – First possession, it was a first possession throw, and then you might get him a couple more possessions in the football. But, now, he would not be considered, obviously, a, a, a wide receiver one. I get that. But, like, in terms of was that a successful get out of the portal? Absolutely. Scored well, you six in, touchdowns. Well, in year one in particular, that that was, you know. But now, here, here would be my contention. Could could Ramel Keaton have done that? I don't, I don't know. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, he was a nice pickup, but he was not a – number one receiver and the question was do they go out translation pay big money and buy a number one receiver out there and those those guys you don't see a ton of those in terms of making that kind of impact uh but we'll see i'm gonna say i mean is there i i, I could be forgetting one but is jordan addison maybe the only guy that that really jumps out i mean that's the only one that jumps off Jumps out of my mind, and and he, he was, went. He was better at Pittsburgh, I think. Well, but he also yeah. went and played with the Heisman Trophy winner. I mean, it's yep. not you know how much was Jordan Addison and how much was you know Caleb Williams. I mean, Dominic Lovett was probably the biggest one last offseason, to my knowledge. Well, you had to, the kid that went to North Carolina who didn't get eligible for five games. Yeah. You know, was, was a big was a big deal. I mean, that, you know, there there's been a bunch of it. My my point is there hasn't this the the scenery hasn't made. I mean. It's not been that big of an impact to go and just get the best, quote, the best receiver out there, and suddenly he becomes that. It's the same way in free agency a lot of times with a wide receiver, right? How many times you go see a guy and you get him and say, okay, he's going to be wide receiver one, he goes to a new team, and it doesn't really, doesn't really translate. And, well, and so I think, it's a tougher, I think it's a tough position in the board. AP, you kind of touched on it. The narrative that if you don't get somebody, you're, you're, you're not all in on NIL is just, I mean, it's just false. Well, yeah, and it's like that with recruits. Like what, what most people don't understand, and I know we're getting down in the weeds here on this, most, what most people don't understand is like Tennessee can, you know, have the best offering in IL. But if a kid, mama says, hey, like what we're getting from the home state school is good enough. I want you to stay close to home. What else was Tennessee supposed to do? Yeah. You know or, what I mean? Like what, 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 the, yeah. If the offer gets close enough in dollar figures, what do they come back to? They come back to, where am I most comfortable? Or right? where's mama want me at? Where's the girlfriend want me at? What coach do I have the best relationship with? There you go. There's still, there's still some old school elements to recruiting that are making decisions in the modern day recruiting world. It's not all just a, a suitcase full of money or a, a duffel bag full of money with an NIL deal. 
Correct. Uh, these kids don't need to make be making decisions on where girlfriend wants them to go. Look, get 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 a new girlfriend when you get in college. Get a couple of new girlfriends. You ain't follow recruiting very long. <laughs> just, I'm saying just, they shouldn't. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm saying they shouldn't. Time, my friend, stood the test of time, undefeated, and undefeated. But, but scored upon. Point. <laughs> th- there's more where you're going. Is my point. And so. <laughs> All right, uh, one more here for Nashville six one to five position group that will ha- more lo- have more likely guys coming back, offensive line or defensive line, as we stand going into Vanderbilt game. Well, Spragans oh. is coming back because of the knee, uh, because of his injury. I don't think he's going to have. I don't know if there's going to I mean, be any options for him. AP. I mean, we'll see. I mean, like you never know what kids the kids make these reactions. I'd still probably say D line over. I would too. That was where I was going. I would. I would think more D linemen are likely to come back at this point. All right. Vol River Rat says, how much is the transfer portal on some of these players' minds this last weekend? Specifically curious about Vanderbilt. Two weeks off, sitting at two and nine. You wonder if some of their better players have already got their foot out the door. Well, I mean, I think it's that way with a lot of kids that either haven't played or have played a lot on bad teams that want to try to cash in. Um, you know, I mean, you look at like, I mean, like, I don't know if anybody's going to leave Tennessee or not. That's kind of out of left field, but it wouldn't surprise me. The players on this team, they look around, they see Amari McNeil. He got, he got, a, you know, a chunk of NIL to go to Colorado. He's leading them in sacks. Now he's on a bad football team, but like a lot of these kids don't really care. Like they, they, they want to get theirs and want to get the play. And so like, if you're playing a little bit, and having a little bit of success, but not playing a lot, and you can go get a chunk of NIL and 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 you know be a guy somewhere else. You know how much does that weigh on a kid? So I mean, like again, I think that across college football, you see a lot of kids kind of going through this similar type of stuff. And I don't think it's just the last weekend when when it starts. No, no. I mean I, I think this is the last month, and in some cases, it's even earlier than that 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 process is starting to go on. I mean. Coaches have talked about it. You can't control it. The tampering that's going on out there is crazy. Uh, it's not going to go away. And, you know, the search for greener pastures, you know, just like all the fans like the backup quarterback, right? A lot of a lot of players like the next spot, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's new and it's different. And, and so they get there and they hate it and go, oh, yeah. man, what did I do? Well, and also, I mean, we're, we're talking about night. I mean, think about when we were – when I was 19. I mean, it, it could start in August when – a coach doesn't, you know, give you the rep you think you deserve. <laughs> you know, sure. about the last weekend. I mean, you come, you come out, yeah. You come out of the first scrimmage, and you know, you're you're not running with the group you yeah, thought you'd exactly. be running with. I'm out of here. Yeah, you're talking to somebody, and you start the ball rolling in. So, I mean, yeah, it, it's it is roster management's real, and it's a challenge, and it's only going to get to. It's only going to be a greater challenge moving forward. All right, two more here. Then we're going to end this show. VFL 1995 wants to know AP. What's the deal with Jonathan Eccles? Nobody talks about him. Does the staff expect him to contribute? Next year? I mean, I, you know, I mean, he may have to because they don't have any tight ends in the room. Now, is he going to be ready? I don't know. I mean, physically, like, you know, I, I think he's got to get a lot stronger. But, I mean, he's got a great frame. Um, you, you can't teach his length. And I, you just don't hear about him because he committed so early. And it's really outside of the little Florida flirting back and forth has relatively, you know, been quiet in his recruitment. So I think that's why. And he was up on campus this past week as well. Yes. Uh, last one goes to Athron. Should we expect to see Nico playing on Saturday? Better. I think the answer to that is you, you better hope so, right? Yeah, better play. I mean, yeah. 
Better have, a plan. Better have a plan to play him that doesn't include being up four scores before you get to that point. That's right. In my opinion. And that's not a and that's not a knock on Joe, but I mean, you're you're talking about narratives. You're talking. I mean, th- th- there's a lot of people ready to see what it looks like. Okay, and um, you're, you're you know you, you need to have a plan and and start moving in that direction. That doesn't mean you you just discard Joe. I'm not saying that, but th- this is you're at the point now where it's you know you're not worried about anybody being upset. Like you're playing, you got to go see what you got. I think you got to have a plan to play him going into this game, not based on scoreboard late in the game. You got to have a plan to play him in my opinion. I agree with all that. I've been saying that this week, but how much confidence do you think that will actually happen in terms of getting him in the game before you're up four scores? Because I have little to answer, but I mean, I have little because we, we've. I, I mean, I certainly got to see it to believe it. I know yeah. everybody hates that line for me, but I can't <laughs> believe it. We'll see what happens. Tennessee and Vanderbilt coming up this weekend. Of course, it is Thanksgiving Day today. Hope that you guys and your families have had a happy Thanksgiving. Appreciate you guys for taking a few minutes, uh, hiding from the families, hiding from the wives, whatever the case may be, by listening and watching us here on the Quest Podcast. As always, a big thank you to Exterior Home Solutions. Talk about somebody that we're super thankful for here at BallQuest.com. That's Exterior Home Solutions. Um, you need a garage, contact Exterior Home Solutions. You need a window, you need siding, you need roofing. It's been local and trusted since 1999. Free estimate over at 865-524-5888 or at online at exteriorhomesolutions.com. For Awesome Price, Brent Hubs, Rob Lewis, I'm Eric Kane. Appreciate you guys for joining us here on Thanksgiving for the Ball Quest Mailback Podcast. <laughs>